Workers in a new study graded a large portion of their work as a B-, which suggests that they may not be as happy as some executives would really hope. We'll share more survey results and what they mean in the next episode of the Serious Soft Skills Podcast. Welcome to Serious Soft Skills, where we help you unleash the power of soft skills. Here are your hosts, Dr. Tobin Porterfield and Bob Graham. Take it away, guys. Welcome to Episode 75. I'm Dr. Tobin Porterfield, and with me, as always, is Bob Graham. Hey, Toby. Great to be back together here. We explore, we explain, we teach, we train on the interactions among people and how they can work together more to get things done. If you're a new listener, then welcome. If you're returning, then welcome back and help us out with a great review on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you got this podcast. Those five-star reviews help other people find us and they make us feel great about all our hard work. K-Force conducted a survey of 2,000 full-time employees, and they came up with some pretty interesting results that uh, let's kick around today. Sounds great. First off, they said 80% of workers said that their day-to-day work, work-life balance, company morale, and benefits packages rate a B-. What do you think that says about our workplace and, and how people are feeling about their work? Well, as you know, Toby, a B minus is not an A and it's not really a B. It's really close to average, which would be a C. So that should be a real wake up call, I think, to any organization in terms of think of these things that you brought out day to day work, work life balance, company morale and benefits packages. And I would actually eliminate benefits packages from this discussion because I think that's a function of a lot of other stuff. I think the real drivers here are the day-to-day work, that people feel dissatisfied with their day-to-day work. It may be repetitious or boring, or they may not feel useful. The work-life balance, we know that that's a real issue today. I was talking to someone this morning who I was at a meeting at 7 a.m. with this person, and they were getting text from their boss at 7 a.m. And I said, oh, wow, your boss is up early. He said, no, this is like the 30th text I've gotten since 3 a.m. And I said, come on. So he turned his phone to me and showed me about 30 text messages. And not like, hey, I was thinking, but like, make sure you do this. Call this person today. Make sure you get this done. Like a task list of text messages. That's tough to deal with. And that's certainly going to hurt company morale. I mean, it's 7 a.m. and you've already gotten 30 things that you have to deal with for that day. Right. And and also to realize that that's probably how it operates. That's the standard for this person. And so that's every day on top of they probably have some other work they were supposed to be during, doing during the day. And so how do you get up and face that every day knowing that, boy, there's just going to be this deluge of uh, what, what we used to call it, um, um, free thinking, uh, flowing when you when you do writing, it almost sounds like the boss is up and thinking of things, which is great. But that steady flow of uh, of dumping can really be uh, disrespectful to another person's time. Well, and if it were in an email, that would be a little different because then you you know a text implies urgency. We all believe that a text needs to be addressed right away. But if you're telling me, hey, make sure you water my plant today, I think that could be in an email or maybe even leaving a message on my voicemail that I can get at my convenience. But yeah, I I, I agree with you. That That is a cultural issue that really would affect morale for that company. And I'm sure it's not the only employee who's dealing with that issue. 
And I do see the the uh, complaint of day-to-day work and work-life balance being very interrelated um, and almost inseparable because I know there's times when I'm so engaged in my work or I'm so excited about some project I'm working on that I'll work extreme hours in it. And I don't come away from that going, well, boy, my work-life balance is really messed up. But I've been working 14-hour days and I've loved it. So it, it, I think it speaks a little bit to the satisfaction and the um, uh, uh, results we're getting out of our work from that, from what we're investing. And so if we're investing a good bit in our day-to-day work and we're not feeling that that uh, positive outcomes from it, then we feel like, oh, we're really not spending our time well. We should be spending more time at home. So well, I, I think those two kind of get tied up with each other. I think one thing, Toby, you and I are both at the level in our careers where we're not doing a lot of what I would call the grunt work. But imagine the person who has a nine to five job and they're doing very entry level stuff. And the boss comes to them at 445 on Friday afternoon and says, oh, you know, I forgot to get to this today. I really need you to complete this task. Can you take care of this? And it's going to take an hour and a half. So now, rather than leaving at 5 o'clock, you're there till 6.30 because your boss has not done their job well, and you're the one who loses. And I've even seen that play out where the boss goes, hey, make sure you take care of this before you leave, and the boss rolls out of there. That's kind of tough. And I think you and I are far enough away from those days that that is not the norm, but there is a world of people out in the work world that know what I'm describing and have lived it. And they're powerless to do anything because if you say to the boss, hey, it's 445 on Friday, you're a knucklehead, you screwed up, you're out of a job. And you remember times in your career when that was the case, and I certainly remember it. So I, I think it's, it's a part of organizing it, how you do your work and how your work affects other people. And I think that may be part of this as much as anything else. A good leader helps their employees have work-life balance by scheduling work appropriately. They don't say to them, hey, make sure you have that project done before you go on vacation next week, because that's harsh. Right. Right. And I also believe that uh, B minuses are much worse. And, and you, you did equate it. It's like it, it, it's really close to a C. I'd say it's much it's even closer to a D because folks uh, today, I think, are much more um, they much more see themselves as B plus A, a performers. And to say something's a B minus, that's a pretty big hit. Even though it's a it's a, it's well into the passing range, uh, I think when someone describes something as being B minus, it's it's pretty dire. Well, and we all want to work for a company that's an A company. No, no one's ever said to me, "Hey, I just got a job. This company is perfectly average. I'm so yep. excited that I'm working with a completely average company." We don't yep. leave one job to go to another job for average. We leave for better. So B minus, you're right. B minus is not really better. Toby, there was another result there we were going to talk about. Do you have that in front of you? Yeah, I do. I do. That same survey, uh, the other finding was that 10% more men than women loved their job. Now, we, now I don't think we know exactly what, that, what those percentages were. That, can, that leaves a lot in question, but um, that men were more pleased in their work than women were is is. Uh, not a good uh, picture of where we are in our workplace. 
Well, and I'm sure some of the factors out there that may have influenced that are the fact that women historically have been paid less than men for doing the same work. And we see that on average, women are making 82 cents on the dollar compared to men. So that I'm sure that plays a role. I think also in organizations, you have mansplaining where men explain over women at meetings. And I think that that, you know, when you're, you're at a level where you're in a meeting with people and you're the woman and you say something and men talk over you and say the same thing over and someone goes, oh my God, Bob, that's brilliant. And I just totally stole the idea from the woman unknowingly and didn't even give them credit. And the woman's sitting there saying, that's what I just said. I just didn't use the words Bob used. I think that would probably cause women to dislike their work a little more than men. And I think we have a whole host of issues around Me Too that could contribute to this as well that I am no expert on and I don't want to get into it in any way. But I certainly think that those are factors. Right. And I I think more importantly, from our perspective, too, as we've talked about some of these generational issues, um, is are we seeing then the this situation even uh, exasperated with millennials in the male and female workforce more so than we've even seen in the past, which is which is pretty bad. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I think this is a really interesting finding that men love their jobs more than women. That is, if we're in an organization where everyone is being treated well, there should be equity in how people view that organization. You're always going to have some people that don't like an organization, but for it to be more women than men, I think that's really telling. And I think it's a, a area for organizations to look at and say, hey, what are we doing to contribute to this perception or to make this go away? Are there enough women executives in the organization? Is promotion giving fair opportunities to women over men? Are organizations penalizing women because they take time to go off and have children and raise children? Yeah, it's just a, uh, uh, certainly a big area that we haven't seen the progress on. And then maybe we're seeing the, the pressure now on organizations to perform. We're seeing the hyper comp- competition that we've talked about. We're seeing the uh, level of innovation and clock speed increase. So it just brings these things even more to the forefront. Let's take a short break. You're listening to the Serious Soft Skills Podcast. Hey, Dr. Tobin Porterfield here. Are you or your organization stuck? Yeah, stuck. As in, can't figure out how to proceed because of generational differences, infighting, missed deadlines, or just poor team dynamics? Or is it you that's stuck? Perhaps managing without a clue how to drive greater results or unable to keep up with the changes in the workplace or your field? If you're thinking yes to any of these questions, we can help you. We coach, we train groups, uh, we use our proprietary blend of breakthrough skills to achieve greater success. If you want to learn more, then give us a call, 937-754-5575. You won't be sorry. Let's get you unstuck and get back on the road to success. Now, back to the Serious Soft Skills Podcast. So we've been talking about a survey from K-Force. It was a survey of 2,000 full-time employees that found a couple of really interesting results that we've been talking through. One was that 80% of workers said their day-to-day work, work work-life balance, company morale, and benefits packages 
rated just a B minus. And as we pointed out, and Toby said so astutely, a B minus is really close to a D, not just a C. And we talked about that. And then we talked about how it's interesting that 10% more men than women love their jobs. And there's one more finding from this survey, Toby, that I thought was worth uh, consideration, which is half of the people who were surveyed would give up as much as 29% of their job salary. 29%. That's almost a third to work at a job they enjoy. Whoa. That is huge. Wow. Uh, Bob, it's interesting. Uh, people have always said that even, even when we were young in our careers, it's like, oh, you know, it's really worth having a job you love, but nobody does it, you know, or very few do. Most will say, yeah, when I retire and, you know, 30 years later, they're still in that same job and hating it from day one. Um, I, I do believe that, uh, our, our current generations in the workplace workplace are more apt to seek, um, work they enjoy. 29% seems a little uh, drastic. Um, And maybe people think they're willing to give that up, but don't, but at least they're thinking it. Um, It it just seems unlikely with the college debt that folks are carrying into their careers and uh, cost of housing and everything that, uh, that, that a young workforce takes on, that uh, taking any cut to salary is almost infeasible. But uh, there's certainly that desire and uh, respect for finding a job that, that you truly enjoy. When I, I saw that number, and it, at first I was like, oh, okay, 29%. But then I did the math and said, if someone's making $100,000 a year, that means that they're willing to take a job that pays them $71,000 a year. If I did my math right, right, Toby, you're the guy who does Excel spreadsheets, not me. Right. And I think when you put that $71,000 price tag against $100,000, that's a huge change. I mean, years ago, I took a uh, $5,000 pay cut, but I went from $30,000 to $25,000. That seemed like a big, big cut. But believe it or not, I went to a job teaching high school that I loved It was really, it was a calculation. I wanted to do what I loved, but I do not recommend that for the faint of heart. That does not do well. It's funny how we acquire a lifestyle and we get used to that lifestyle. And when you have to change that lifestyle, it has a million consequences, some of which we can see very easily and some of which we will probably be paying for for years to come. Right. And I always wonder what's behind the date. And I, and I think this is still, it's, it's something to think about. It's insightful, but I'm wondering, yes, are these people that are making a hundred thousand and are going down to 70 or are these people making 20 who are willing to go down to, you know, 15? Certainly that's, you know, an extreme case as well, but I wonder where we are in that. Um, because when you're at the lower salaries, that percentage isn't quite as big of a chunk, but, uh, uh, is it more feasible in the early part of your career? So I, I also, you know, are these people who are working on Wall Street and they're working 80 hours a week and so forth and they're like, you know what, I would give up large portions of this to get my life back. So um, who all is included in the sample can have a uh, significant impact. But I think the takeaway for us as leaders of organizations is that people really value doing work they enjoy and being engaged in their work and 
they came to your organization because they had skills, because they had interest in what you were doing, and now what's gone wrong? Why are they not as engaged? Why are they considering leaving? Why would they even consider taking a cut in salary because of the dissatisfaction with what they're doing? Why can't this be the job that they love and enjoy? What, what, can, can we make this job, this organization, the place everyone wants to work at and enjoy? And it also says that money alone is not the answer. So if you have someone you like and you want to keep them, throwing more money at them just isn't going to cut it. Right on. Yeah, it's funny. We we had a younger fellow uh, in our organization or uh, joined our organization a couple years ago and uh, has been um, uh, wooed away, has offered a really you know great position, significant salary increase. But I look back at the early years of uh, his work in our organization. He was, uh, did fantastic work with us, um, but he wasn't given the opportunities, and it was even small things of uh, support and encouragement in some things, and and it was left, and it was left slide, and it's like, oh, you know, we'll catch up with that sometime, and and I think that comes around. So then, even as, as we counter offered, he was like. Yeah, no, thanks. I, I'm good. I'm, I'm moving on. And I think, well, yeah, no surprise. If you had done these things earlier on, he probably wouldn't have been looking. So, yeah, we we uh, we don't appreciate. We don't develop people. We we think, oh, these are small things. They won't matter. They all they all build up. And uh, so so p- folks are willing to move. And in this case, for actually more salary. But it really because we countered it. It wasn't about the salary. It was about respect and development and support and encouragement. Which sounds like going back to episode 74 that we just did a couple weeks ago, that, you know, uh, there's a different sheriff in town when it comes to what employees are looking for. Well, Toby, that's about all we have time for today. Next week, like, uh, like always, we'll dig deeper into another important issue concerning the world of work. And if you can't wait for us to do another full episode like the long-form uh, series Soft Skills, we have the Soft Skills Minute that are short and sweet, bite-sized nuggets. And I got to tell you, Toby, I was talking to someone named Julie who was telling me how much she loves the Soft Skills Minutes. I think, I think a minute, minute and a half of us is all that anyone really wants. So if that's, if that's the way you are, then go for it. We totally understand. We've heard that before. And, of course, if you like what you hear, then tell someone else and give us a review. We'd love a five-star review. Or if you want to comment on something you heard on this or another episode, tweet us at Real Soft Skills. That's R-E-A-L, Soft Skills. Or email us at podcast at SeriousSoftSkills.com. Until next time, thanks for listening and have a great day. You've been listening to Serious Soft Skills with your hosts, Dr. Tobin Porterfield and Bob Graham. If you like what you hear, then take a moment to review us on iTunes. Looking for more insights on soft skills? Then check out our website, SeriousSoftSkills.com, for blog posts, newsletters, and other resources. And look for a new episode of Serious Soft Skills every Wednesday. 